Just how much do you love that chicken from Popeye's? There is such a thing as bad publicity. Social media and your job, how far is too far? And the impeachment proceedings go public. Will this change anything? All this and more on this week's Three C's in a Pod. Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Cervello and John Schofield. We thank you for joining us this week as we continue with Season 2 of Three C's. We're glad to have you on board. For more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or you can check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. All right, folks, let's jump into today's show. We'll start with Rearview Mirror. Chris, what grabbed your attention last week? Struck by um, the Nats visit to the White House. And the fact that they went or more? Well, let's talk about both. Um, I was struck initially by how, like, in a matter of days, the unanimous support for the team here locally um, split very quickly along party lines. Just as we finished up recording last week, there was a note uh, publicly from Sean Doolittle, who I thought did a very good job of professionally and without a lot of fanfare, simply saying, hey, I'm not going. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've got a record that stands in stark contrast to that of the president, and it just doesn't make sense for me to go. And that kind of started it. And then the Nats went, and it quickly turned into a political and partisan divide on one, should they have gone, two, should they have carried out the activities that they carried out, should they have said the things that they should have said. We talked during the week, where my head is on this is beyond the tactics of what was said and who went and who didn't go. If I'm advising a professional sports team and that sports team is lucky enough um, or skilled enough to win a national championship, Mm-hmm. I think my advice would be skip the White House altogether. Um, on the other side of that, if I was advising the president, any president, but especially this president, I would tell him stop inviting sports teams to the White House. I, I just don't see any upside for either the team or for the White House in doing it, just given the political environment, just given the best you can do is is hope for a draw. And so what was a time-honored tradition of state Um, and a homage to the office Mm -hmm. because of the political environment, I think is gone. So my vote would be to to cancel this tradition altogether. You and I were talking, Chris, about how it's interesting that the advent of social media, and maybe it's it's the political environment that you spoke of as well, um, has, has made the idea of athletes and their political affiliations or their political likes and dislikes much more known. And I'll, I'll go back to a great moment in my memory when Ronald Reagan called the Orioles clubhouse after they had won the World Series against the Phillies and talked to Rick Dempsey on the phone. And, the, and I just remember that being really cool and really awesome. And, and you wonder if you put yourself in a time machine, how many of the players are sitting in the clubhouse that day saying, I'm not talking to Reagan if he wants to wants to talk to me. I, I don't like his politics. I don't like what he stands for. Um, I, I'm not saying that players and public figures did not have political viewpoints or polarized political viewpoints the way they do now. 
I just wonder if it's just the nature of social media that is that has brought out uh, certain personalities or beliefs on politics from public figures and the and in this conversation sports figures, uh, whereas previously we just never knew what they were. You make some great points, uh, both of you. I just think, and and Chris, to to what you were saying about it, you know, if you were going to advise uh, the president just to not to no longer have uh, these teams visit. Uh, the White House. And that just, I mean, it just sort of breaks my heart that we've arrived at a place where, you know, that's the, um, that's the break even point right there. I I guess for me as a little kid, when you see that team, whether it's a World Series and NFL, uh, MLS, NBA, you know, and they, they go and they, they issue that jersey there with the president's name on the back of it. I mean, it was just something that made you feel good. Uh, whether it was your team or not, uh, to see uh, to see your your heroes, your sports heroes, uh, there and, and and being celebrated on that stage. You were talking about the how quickly it went from one thing to another. Here, as we all are in this DMV area, you know the World Series, I believe, was one on a Wednesday. The parade was here in D.C. on a Saturday, and then by Monday, everything had just sort of just went down the down the drain. Uh, and just unfortunate, very unfortunate. John, what were you tracking? Uh, so in my rearview mirror, um, I, I was actually going to talk about uh, something else. But you know, the the just in this week, you've had two very interesting developments politically that I think are going to go a long way to shape uh, what the impeachment conversation is, the political discourse that we talked about last pod, this desire for us. Uh, on our level to rise above it all and and conduct ourselves with civility, the the hope that everyone else will conduct themselves with political civility. And then you know, yesterday you see uh, Senator Kennedy at a at a, a rally for President Trump drop the "it must suck to be that dumb" line about uh, Speaker Pelosi. It's it's wild how. Again, the, maybe it is the just the breaking down of old norms and, and things that we just thought were, were red lines that people wouldn't cross. And I know behind closed doors, politicians and, and in front of open doors, politicians have said nasty things about their opponents or people with whom they disagree. But this one was just very emblematic, in my opinion, of, of where where this is going to go, how it's going to continue throughout the process of uh, open hearings uh, with regard to the Ukraine call, with regard to impeachment, that it's just going to get nastier and nastier. The second, you know, really now in the in the rear view and, and is going to be really big going forward is the Bloomberg inclusion in the Democratic field, perhaps. I'd be interested to see how he does this post-debates, post all of the um, the opening stanzas of this conversation, gone as Beto O'Rourke, gone as Eric Swalwell, gone are a lot of the other also rans. And all of a sudden, Mayor Bloomberg with an incredibly large uh, pot of gold in his campaign coffers is ready to, to jump onto the scene. Strategically, you, you have to wonder whether he had this as a plan the whole time. You know, let's, let's get to November about a year away from the election and after they've kicked the hell out of each other, let me jump in and see if I can, if I can wrestle this away. So I, I thought that was interesting yesterday as, as he arrived on the scene. I, I wonder what it'll do to 
either strengthen the Democratic side as you as you go toward next November or whether it will just further weaken it? Yeah, it's something for sure that uh, I, I would like to follow and would like to uh, to dive deeper in as his plans and his approach become a little bit more clear. And then after that, we see how other people respond to his approach. Gentlemen, let me segue, if I can, just a little bit. John, you talked about uh, things getting nastier and nastier in our public discourse. Um, and I think you can draw a straight line from what you're talking about there to this subject that I'm going to bring up that we uh, touched on uh, in the open. And that's the odd phenomenon of a chicken sandwich that's captured the attention uh, of a segment of our population uh, here in the States. Just last week, um, Popeye's made an announcement that they were going to bring back their uh, rather infamous chicken sandwich, uh, the whole chicken wars, hashtag chicken wars battle between uh, some fast food chains. Regrettably, on Monday, just this past Monday, 28-year-old um, Kenneth Davis of Oxon Hill, Maryland, uh, was stabbed uh, at a Popeye's restaurant uh, just outside of D.C., um, bringing just much more attention to an already uh, popular story, tragic as it is. And this got me to thinking that tries to, to to pinpoint the the why here, why this happened. As, as the story continues to unfold, we see that it was over um, someone cutting in the line, uh, allegedly cutting in the line while they were, were preparing to pay for this, this chicken sandwich. And it got me to think, I have to look at myself in the last podcast, I talked about accountability in being able to look at myself and be able to press pause and, and not just sort of spew out information based on uh, initial impulse uh, because I could wind up being being quite wrong, loud and wrong. And this is more, the more discussions I had with people, I started to look at how this is a matter of how we deal with disrespect, right? One feeling disrespected uh, and then a de-escalation uh, of an issue. Now this, it just so happens that this surrounded this, this popular chicken sandwich, but it could be anything. Uh, someone steps on your sneaker, uh, someone cuts you off on the road and, and, and you have a road rage incident. By the way, we hear about road, ra road rage, excuse me, incidents leading to violence uh, quite often, too often. And then the other, the other point is, is race. Uh, you get a lot of people that say, well, you know, look at these black people fighting over chicken. When in actuality, if you're paying attention and you care to sort of open your aperture a little bit, you can actually find plenty of people fighting over this chicken sandwich, white, black, Asian, what have you. Um, you, you, can, you can see this stuff, it, it, it's, it's out there and, and that's real. Um, but I just, it, it, it really made me pause and sort of shake my head. One, that it was obviously so close uh, to, our, to our front yards. Um, and just the pure ridiculous nature of, of that news, the tragic nature of the news, all this over, um, you know, cutting in line while waiting for a chicken sandwich. And then you look at Popeye's, you know, they had a spokesperson when, when talking about the, this incident, say, uh, issue a statement, quote, while this is a tragedy and we are saddened to hear uh, about this senseless act of violence, adding, we along with the franchise are fully cooperating with local authorities and actively working to gather more information, end quote. Um, the other individual is still at large. Um, and you have a situation here where the Popeye's is, they haven't stopped. They're going to continue selling this sandwich. 
Uh, I passed by a Popeye's uh, just two days ago and uh, just a little bit after, after lunchtime and the line was out the door uh, right here uh, in the district. So I, I just, I continue to shake my head uh, again at the, um, the reaction, right? The, the ability for Senator Kennedy to make the, to make the comment that he said, uh, what we've seen from other people, you know, whether it's political discourse uh, or, or just you're at a PTA meeting, just uh, the audacity that some of us have uh, to spew things out of, out of our mouths. Uh, I, I'm guilty of it. I have to, uh, like I said, I would, I would remain accountable to myself and ask for other people um, to, to check me on it uh, if they see me going off the rails. Uh, because there's a level of civility um, that's disappearing. And I can't uh, honestly send my kids off to school every day um, saying one thing at home and, and, and expecting something else uh, once, they, uh, once they leave my front door. Uh, again, I know that's my two weeks in a row now that I've, I've jumped on a soapbox here. So I, I apologize for that. But just, you got a 28-year-old 20, uh, young man that's no longer with us um, because he was stabbed. Uh, outside of a Popeye's, and there's just something wrong with that. Um, gentlemen, I'll, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I'll pivot on this to, and, and it's an awkward segue, but I'll make it. I just don't understand the phenomenon itself. Right. People, don't, people don't do this when McDonald's comes, comes out with the McRib every like five years. What I find interesting here from a communication standpoint is I don't necessarily know why it's so big, why it's better than maybe a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich or a quarter pounder with cheese or whatever. I don't understand that, but I don't understand. And I wonder what the Popeye's organization did uh, as this was coming out. They couldn't possibly have known that this was going to become as popular as it did. Did they have a communications plan for that eventuality? Um, they couldn't have possibly understood that. You, you're not making crisis communication plans in case one of your sandwiches is so popular that it actually you know, drives a completely different behavior from, from such a large segment of the population. That, that's the that's the thing that makes it interesting for me. I'm sure MBA classes across the country are using it as a, as a model to look at in terms of business and preparation and operational planning. Just sure. on the two points that you made, uh, just to follow up on John's and then a, a very short comment on civility in general. My sense is, is that they, they actually did plan for the negative publicity to help the chicken sandwich brand and to help the overall Popeye's brand. Like you all, I, I've not um, have not gone to Popeyes to have the the sandwich. But everything that I've read and the people that I've talked to have said that it's almost as if um, a shortage of availability and a limited number of registers is kind of baked into the plan. So the idea that lines are out the door, the idea that you have to wait minutes to hours for the sandwich, seems to be part of their plan as a way of creating buzz and generating interest. And if you just do a quick Google search, which I did as you were talking, Bash, I mean, you see obviously the stabbing, you see numerous stories of fender benders as people try to cut in the drive-through line. You see people exchanging on the low end, harsh words on the high end, throwing trays at each other. And so I think your question in the open, I mean, at what point does this negative publicity not create buzz, but damage the brand of Popeyes 
I think we're approaching that line. Um, and it, it, you're right, John, it is a fascinating study um, to see if this in the end helps them or, or hurts them. And then very quickly on the civility point, I mean, I, I think that's a theme that we should continue to beat um, throughout the, this season on the pod because we have lost civility in our interactions and, and certainly in our communication. And there are real repercussions for us as a culture um, and I think as businesses um, as that civility continues to decline. You know what's wild about that, Chris, is in a couple of weeks, we're going to see videos from Black Friday. Now, it might not be people getting stabbed or shot, but it's going to be people trampling over one another for for a, a, a plasma television, a uh, so, something that you that you gotta have, and we're just gonna sort of accept it as well. That's Black Friday, you know what I mean? And the parallels, you know, that people standing in line for a chicken sandwich or people standing in line on Black Friday. Um, what's the difference? What's the difference? Just a question that I will continue to to to, to ponder in my in my head. Listen, folks, we took a look back, and when we return, we're going to deep dive. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Stay with us. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We're back, and it's time for us to deep dive. Ladies and gentlemen, social media is everywhere. For some of us, it's something that the last thing you do before you go to bed and then the first thing you do when you wake up, you're checking your phone you're to go on your social media sites uh, and see what's out there, see what's new uh, or that you may have missed. But there are repercussions. We see it a- across the landscape, uh, people u- using social media in ways that will get them in trouble, uh, perhaps even get them fired from their jobs, uh, whether it's the, um, the Major League Baseball, National Football League. Uh, across networks like ESPN. People have rules in place, could have a job in government, uh, and there are certain rules that you need to follow about how you how you use social media. John, I'm going to throw it to you. You saw some things last week that, uh, that grabbed your attention and how perhaps these social media rules are not even across, uh, across the landscape. So why don't you jump in? I'll set it up like this. So uh, all three of us have given social media briefs to our organizations. I've done it in the Navy and, and out of the Navy, and, and part of our jobs as PAOs uh, is to stand in front of our command um, or our organization and give that social media brief. Watch out what you tweet. You represent a particular organization. You might say that all opinions are my own, and I'm not tweeting on behalf of uh, you know my my firm or my job or, or my organization, but mm-hmm. you can still say something on a personal level that, that crosses a line and will cost you your job. Right. Um, but, but will it? Will it actually cost you your job? So I'll, I'll start the debate here with two tweets that happened in the past month and how interesting it was that, that the organizations uh, involved in these tweets, what, what action they took and what action they didn't take. So I'll, I'll give you um, I'll give you the example of Jermaine Whitehead, who uh, is a defensive back for the Cleveland Browns. Um, they had a really bad game of, against the Denver Broncos last Sunday. He's getting criticized all over the place on social media, and he responds on social media with uh, some really some really disturbing language 
in one tweet, he responded, I'm going to kill you. That's on blood. Really, really dangerous language. Um, and the Cleveland Browns, uh, the very next day, released him. It cost Tremaine Whitehead his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's out of a job. And I don't know how long it will be before he gets another job. We'll see what sort of collusion, quote unquote, uh, NFL teams practice here in order to send a message to people who send alarming tweets like that. Right. Well, another example that happened a little bit before this, um, it was in the middle of the World Series, as a matter of fact, one of the Major League Baseball umpires, his name was Rob Drake, tweeting late at night, and all these stupid tweets often happen late at night, unless you're the president. His tweet basically said, I will be buying an AR-15 tomorrow because if you impeach my president this way, you will have another civil war. Hashtag MAGA 2020, just in case you were wondering which side he leans. So nothing happened. He deleted the tweets. He didn't delete his entire account. And he issued a mea culpa, an apology, and, and sat back and waited to see if anything would happen to him. Um, and I sat back and waited to see if anything would happen to him. And, and his tweet, if you look at it on substance, is just as alarming. Um, an AR-15 is, is a gun at the very center of the, of the debate that we're having um, nationwide. Nothing happened to Rob Drake. He was not fired, or at least he hasn't been fired yet. Uh, Major League Baseball took a very interesting, quiet as a church mouse type of stance on this thing and really hoped that it would go away, kind of like a Ralph Northam strategy of hoping that something like this would go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their lack of action on this, I'll, I'll now transition to my personal belief, my, their lack of action on his tweet is bullshit. Um, I, I, find it, I find it disturbing. He, you know, he certainly, I would believe, crossed a line in terms of what the umpiring, uh, what Major League Baseball does when they brief their umpires about what's acceptable social media language and not. Um, and, and I have to imagine that his tweet was in violation of it and, and he should have been held accountable the same way, uh, that a Cleveland Browns, uh, player should be held accountable too. Now there's an angle to this that says, is this racial? Uh, the guy who got fired, um, is an African American professional football player. The guy who wasn't fired, um, is a Caucasian, uh, umpire for major league baseball. So, a difference maybe in what the NFL does versus what the uh, MLB does. Maybe a difference in that the Major League Baseball uh, schedule was right in the middle of their crown jewel, the World mm. Series. Right. Um, but still, it's an interesting. It's an interesting dichotomy. It's an interesting debate. Um, and and I, for one, thought one organization got it right, Cleveland, and one organization got it way, way, way wrong, and that's Major League Baseball. So, John, for me, the line is very clear. When your online conduct takes away from the brand of the company that you represent, whether implicitly or explicitly representing them, you should be disciplined. Whether that discipline is um, extreme as the person losing their job or whether it's a fine or whether it's a suspension, whatever. Like to, to me, that line needs to be made very clear. Um, that you know, when your personal brand takes away from the brand of the organization, it, it becomes a problem for, for the organization. So uh, like you, uh, I have no issue with how Cleveland handled it. It puts Major League Baseball in a very difficult position because I think they have not been consistent in how they have handled it. 
and you know that would be my other point to organizations in addition to kind of setting up okay what is the what is the red line for personal brand versus um, the brand of the company I, I would say that consistency is the second key to an effective policy making sure that you're consistent in how you meter out whatever punishment or whatever repercussions exist. This problem is not going to go away, um, as you alluded to in both the opening that Bash gave and your discussion. It's much wider than just professional sports. I mean, we see it all the time in um, how communicators uh, communicate, how they comport themselves after work versus how they are expected to comport themselves on the job. And so it is a, uh, it's a real challenge. I would say just last two things. One is management. Like I said, be consistent and know what the repercussions are and make sure that your employees know that. And two, as a communicator, as somebody that represents a, a company, really, 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 really understand where that line is and have in place the, um, the thought process and the understanding of what will happen if you cross that line. And a lot of that, I think what you're saying also has to do with respect, right? Um, respect for, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner, uh, you have respect for what you've built. Um, you're part of a larger organization. You have respect for the organization itself and the people that you're uh, in, um, in, in employ with. Um, so that, you know, you have to, understand that there is um, a, a larger picture uh, outside of just your own beliefs. Um, it's, I th and John, we talked about this. When I look at, at, at uh, the Major League umpire, uh, Rob Drake, that to me was, was based on timing. I felt that Major League Baseball, and you, you had mentioned this, it was, it was sort of at the beginning uh, of the World Series, right around, I think, game two, I believe, is when it became public. And Major League, I said it almost immediately that Major League Baseball wasn't going to do anything because they weren't going to draw any more attention to it than than what was uh, what was already there, simply because they had this World Series story uh, that was that was occupying uh, the space, and they didn't want to disrupt that. And I think, and we talked about this a little bit later, was Major League Baseball executives, I think, collectively sat down, took a deep breath, and said we're going to wait. We'll issue that holding statement that this is under investigation. And, and you know, once you, once you put that, hey, this matter is, we've seen this before in, in our previous jobs, this matter is under investigation. Then it just kind of lets, okay, it, it has the attention of the right people and a, a ruling will be made, a judgment will be made uh, you know, once that concludes. And I think for a larger part of the population, that allows people to just sort of go on with their lives and, you know, okay, justice uh, is, is going to prevail, uh, whatever that is. And when you have the, the issue in Cleveland, I mean, this guy was just like, okay, this might be wrong to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you had one tweet from the umpire, whether you, you know, just the level to which, and look, I'm, we've, we've had these discussions, the three of us, we know when you talk about an AR-15 and you talk about the, the uh, violence, uh, gun violence, uh, active shooter violence that is across our nation going back, you know, we'll, we'll take it back to Columbine and moving forward. Um, it's tragic. It is tragic. Understood. Yes. And the, the uh, image that he paints by talking about civil war and going and buying that weapon 
is violent. Understood. Defensive back in Cleveland, he just would not stop. He, it's almost as if he, and, and look, he was speaking in, in, he was using terms and vernacular that I clearly understand and have heard before. And it was like, Hey man, you know, and then he put out his home talking, you know, he is asking people to meet him at his home address and all that. Cleveland had no, really no leg to stand on, but, but to, to respond the way they did. I realized that Major League Baseball, the circumstance that they were, were dealing with and what the Cleveland Browns were dealing with, the timing uh, of, of all that was happening uh, just allowed for two different um, responses. Um, yeah, it, it, to the more cynical eye or this more cynical viewer, and, and that's me in this case, you, know, you, would, um, you can look at it like, all right, well, the, the, the one example here, he just got a little too black for us. He just got a little too you know, thrown around cracker and thrown around, you know, uh, on blood, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill it on blood. Like, okay, that, that just got a little too urban for uh. us. And we're a little uncomfortable with that. So he's gone. Whereas, you know, it, at least the other guy, you know, hashtag the MAGA 2020, um, in order to cloak it under the idea of an anti impeachment argument or whatever. Um, it, it you know, again, it, it, it can look like, all right, well, the, the white guy is fine. The black guy's not. Uh, shit can the black guy and let's move on. And, and we'll never talk about Rob Drake again. And all of a sudden we'll be at an Oriole game in the spring and they'll be losing by 20 runs. And Rob Drake's going to be working the, the plate. Um, yep. You know, with probably really nothing having had happened to him. And, and I know all three of us know people who have lost their jobs for much less uh, than what Rob Drake did on social media, in particular Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and and it's just it it seems it seems unfair to me. Understood, uh, understood. And 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 we're, you, well, let's let's sit and wait. You know, there's uh, we got an off season here in front of us, and we'll see what moves, if any, Major League Baseball makes. So um, yeah, but this uh, problem. We, this, oh, go ahead. And I know we're I know we've gone long. Sorry, this problem's only going to get worse for younger folks. This idea of um, hey, my personal identity impacts that of the company and the brand that they've created, and therefore I should comport myself to that brand. I think that that becomes less um, understood, and I think it becomes less bought into by mm-hmm. folks of the millennial and Z generations. And that's not a value statement on them. That I think that's just a fact. And so I think that until we figure this out, there's going to there's going to be um, more and more of these high profile um, questions about should somebody have lost their job should they be allowed to say the things that they're saying I think we're going to have plenty of fodder to talk about on the on the pod and uh, over coffee and beers for a while. Everybody's an influencer. Everybody's an influencer. <laughs> Listen, great discussion, gentlemen. Uh, Stay with us, folks. We're going to come right back with our next segment, On the Horizon. You're listening to Three Seas in a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. Welcome back to Three C's in a Pod with Provision Advisors. Gentlemen, let's look out on the horizon at what the days ahead may bring. John, throwing to you. All right, really quick. Um, 
really nice story out there uh, on Time Magazine right now. You can find it online. I just tweeted it from my personal account. Story, the in-depth, uh, almost documentary-like story that Time Magazine did on the Annapolis Capitol staff, basically spending the last year with them from when the shooting happened uh, two Junes ago um, to this this last June, late June, when they moved into their, they finally moved into their new offices, having been displaced from a crime scene uh, for a year as they not only recover as an organization, but recover as individuals from a horrific shooting. Part of the story on Time Magazine and on their website, there's a 21 minute long video, uh, which is really done well. It, it's, it's a documentary like following of, of a few of the reporters and about their journey to healing and, and what they have gone through. They've lost staff, they've brought in staff, they've recently had the guilty verdict. Um, the, the defendant pled guilty to all 23 counts against him. Uh, and right as they were celebrating that, the, the judge delayed uh, the next aspect of the trial, which is sentencing uh, to determine whether he's fit uh, to be in a in a penitentiary or if he has to go to a uh, mental institution. And, and now that's been pushed down the road, sort of extending their pain, delaying their closure. Shit, if there can ever really be closure from something like that. But mm -hmm. I would encourage everyone uh, to find that story and read it and watch this 21-minute long documentary about what they've all gone through. And then on the horizon from there, I continued to support my local paper that journalism matters and, and to help help this organization continue to heal from what uh, they went through about, you know, almost a year and a half ago now. Thanks, John. Chris, over to you. My on the horizon is the public part of the impeachment process, which is scheduled to begin next week and what that will do to an already spiraling narrative um, about U.S. politics, about civility, as you mentioned in the first segment. I understand why this is important institutionally. If the Congress has issues with the president, they should very much bring those issues to light, and we should have public discourse, and I think it will be important. But I just worry that um, all that will come of this is further cementing of the um, rhetoric on both sides that institutionally it won't really advance anything and it will only further embarrass us in the eyes of the rest of the world. And it, it will just kind of sink us deeper into the partisan malaise um, that we felt for, for some time. So. On one hand, looking to the horizon because I understand the need for it. On the other, uh, am further depressed by what the reality is. Understood. Understood. We'll continue to be watching that. Uh, gentlemen, switching gears just a little bit. All signs point to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Bryant-Denny Stadium, 3.30 tomorrow, where the LSU Tigers will take on the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Turns out that the President of the United States is going to be in attendance, we've heard, which prompted a little bit of, um, uh, a little bit of attention from the Alabama Student Government Association, where earlier this week, a, uh, a letter coming from the Vice President's office, uh, the Vice President of the Alabama Student Government, uh, warning students that protesting President Trump could result in the loss of reserve seating for the balance of the season. This prompted quite a social media uproar and 
a lot of uh, a lot of sports reporters, sports uh, pundits, uh, and the like um, criticized uh, the the school for uh, putting a um, putting their weight behind um, any any potential protests and maybe uh, infringing any First Amendment rights, uh, which prompted uh, a response from the student government, which said, "In quote." The Student Government Association of Alabama strongly affirms in its belief in free speech and the rights of all students to express their opinions. Today's report erroneously assigned a political context to a message meant only to remind students about heightened security and the consequences of altercations or other behaviors unbecoming of a University of Alabama student. Gentlemen, tomorrow, 3.30, kickoff, LSU at Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll be watching, not just for the football, but for the reaction of the students as they cheer along their football team. That's all I yeah. have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I just go back to the first segment. Like, why? Why go there? I mean, I think, why? I think we what's know the, why. <laughs> what's the why? I mean, it, I mean, it, why? It, why it, force it's... yourself to be booed? Why yeah. put the school in that spot? That I think he believes have... that he'll get, you know, a redemption. Yeah, you know? and but what it does is it further pressurizes the environment. Yeah, you're forcing you're forcing this students to type of him. redemption. Yeah, yeah. So it's very look at where we are on in the best case scenario. Fifty percent of the stadium will cheer him. Fifty percent of the stadium will boo him. In any event that you were, you would be advising your boss on, would you suggest that your boss go and do an event where the best they can do is 50%? Like th not, this is what I don't get. So yeah. I, I know, I mean, it's the same story with me, but I, I just shake my head. No, no, no. It's a hey, look. Um, we saw what happened um, over the world series uh, game five. Uh, we saw the back and forth over the UFC event at Madison square garden just days after. Uh, and this individual, with regard to his personality, I suspect, is looking for something to feel good about. Uh, and, and I'll leave it right there. Um, it will I, never be a story. The president went to Alabama and was cheered. I, I mean, you, you know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> you will never break even. So why do it? That is my, that is my heartburn with beyond the politics. That is my heartburn with the, the poor advice that either he gives himself or that his, his, uh, his team gives him. So anyway, he, he is bringing the curse of the Kentucky governor's race to Alabama. And thus my prediction, LSU 21, Alabama 17. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> we'll see. Roll tide. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Three Season of Pod. We want you to have a great weekend. It's getting cold out there, so uh, watch out for um, for your babies and, and your elderly folks as well as your pets. Uh, get them inside as this cold front descends upon us. Uh, and until next week, folks, we want you to be good, be safe, and be better than yesterday. Thank you for listening to Three Season of Pod. Have a great week. <laughs>